Okay, friends, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. We're going to resume. Just one announcement before we move on. There's Dream Center worship this coming Friday night here at the Dream Center. At 7 o'clock, there is going to be a commencement that goes along with that. A couple of guys have uh, completed the program, and we get to, to celebrate God's work in their lives and then simply worship because God deserves it. And so I, I encourage you to, to come out to, both to support the guys and the, the Dream Center, but then just to experience God and, and have another opportunity to, to meet Him, um, as frequently happens here on Friday nights when we worship. So I'd encourage you to come to that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It is such a blessing. Where would we be without your word, Lord? And thank you for your spirit. Where would we be without your spirit? And thank you that these work together for your good and our good and your glory. May that happen this morning. I pray that uh, as we move through Jesus' words, they would become part of Jesus' followers' lives. It would, it would get into our footsteps and conversations, our actions and our reactions in order that we might look more like Jesus, speak and act more like Jesus, that we might think more like Jesus, that your good work might go forward in our lives and in this world. So for you, we enter into this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your scriptures? Would you go to John chapter 16, please? We're at an interesting point in this, um, this speech that Jesus has been giving over these many weeks and over the time that he has been spending in the upper room with his uh, 11 remaining disciples. And it's an interesting point here because Jesus is going to repeat himself. He's basically not going to say anything new. And what we will cover today will actually be the last things that he tells his disciples before he then moves into prayer. And so if you have um, the, the Bible in front of you and have a red letter edition, you're going to see that there are a whole bunch of red letters that go beyond what we're going to cover today. But all of those red letters are addressed to the Father. And so this is the last thing that he is addressing to his disciples. And it's very interesting when you think about, okay, if these are Jesus' last words on these topics, why is he repeating himself? We're going to get to that today. He is going to begin by referring to what's coming, meaning his betrayal, the cross, going to the Father after dying, and then his resurrection Okay, so as he talks to his disciples about, I'm leaving, I'm going, I'm going to see the Father, he will see me again, that's, what's he, that's what he's referring to. And we're not going to park on that aspect of what Jesus um, covers here, we're going to move on from that, because we're making our way towards Easter, and so we're going to be covering that later on anyway. Um, so we're going to be focusing more on, why does he repeat himself here? So I'm going to be reading from the NIV this week, so this is John 16, beginning at verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. 
At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? And why is he saying, because I am going to the Father? They are confused by this. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? And we don't understand what he's saying. Now Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So it is, so it will be with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will speak plainly. I will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then his disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. And this makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact it has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. Yet, I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. We give thanks to God for his word, yes. There is nothing new in the words of Jesus in this section that he has not said in chapters 14 or 15 in some way already. Very interesting. But there is one new thing that comes up in this section that has not yet come up in the previous section, and that is that the disciples chime in. The disciples say, we believe. We believe and they're, they're right. I mean, Jesus said a few verses earlier that you do believe. You, you've loved me, you do believe. But they, they say it, we believe. They're, they're really claiming this. this. And, and Jesus says, do you believe? Like, notice that in your, um, what verse is it? I should have written it down. Verse 31. Do you believe? So they do believe, and he's already said it, but now he's questioning it. I believe, saying, the strength 
of your belief is about to be tested because his very next thing is to say, do you believe? You're going to be scattered momentarily. Like, almost to the hour, like the, that hour has come. You're about to be st- scattered. The strength of your belief in me is about to be tested. Friends, God always tests as we grow. God tests the work that he has done in our lives. If you have been experiencing growth, there will come a point where God will test how much growth is actually there versus simply what you say. You should expect this. This is part of the pattern of Scripture. It's part of the way that God actually solidifies the work that he has been doing in our lives by testing it. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. And then the Spirit, he has this high, like like this mountain peak moment with God, spiritual high, and he's sent out into the wilderness and it's tested. Simon Peter, when Jesus says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You got a download from God. And then it gets tested right away as Peter says, you aren't going to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. God does good work in our lives, but good work gets tested. Right? We should expect that. So keep growing, but part of growth and maturity is recognizing that hard times will come to test what we have been growing in. Okay? In light of their belief, the disciples' belief being tested, Jesus then repeats himself. And the rest of this section is Jesus repeating himself. I used to have this friend. He was my youth leader. We used to go out for coffee all the time. I would ask him a question, and he would give me such a long story, I would often lose the point of why we started this story. But he, I knew it was wrapping up all the time because he would always say, I say all this to say, and oh, that's why we're still talking. Well, that, that's why we're talking about this now. And he had this way of just constantly saying, I say all that to say. I, we used to laugh about it together. He would do that so much. This, this passage is an, I say all this to say. I, I'm repeating myself now. He's going to summarize and repeat some of the key points that have come up in these last, um, in, the, in, the, in the speech that he's given the disciples around the table. If God repeats himself, ought we pay attention? Yeah, okay. So we're going we're gonna to cover stuff we've already covered, right? But, but let's focus on the things that, that Jesus thinks are more, most important as his disciples' belief is about to be tested, right? So he starts in chapter 16, verses 23 to 27, reminding them, I told you, to ask in my name. And we covered this in great detail, but we're going over it again because Jesus is emphasizing it. So let me just repeat those verses. On that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. And, then, and he's gonna go on and establish that more. I'm just gonna read that one verse though. A name is a reputation. 
Jesus' identity is wrapped up in his reputation and it, it boils down to a name. So say that you're in business, you're making a name for yourself. In that name is established your identity and your reputation out in the community. And so anyone that you hire is representing you by acting on your behalf and your name gets attached to it. So Jesus says that I stake my identity, my reputation uh, and I, um, on my disciples and I allow them to operate with my name, with my authority, to do the same things that I did. And what Jesus does is invite his disciples to step into his shoes, to use his name, to use his authority in this mission and that includes talking to the Father and asking as though Jesus himself were asking. Ask in my name. Ask with my purposes. Ask with my mission in your heart. That we might, God, it's not so much just saying in Jesus' name, amen, for the things that we want. It's to enter into Jesus' mission. It's to enter into Jesus' heart for the world. It's to enter into Jesus' relationship with the Father in fact, and then to ask in order that what Jesus started would continue in us and in the world. By the way, it's not so much about asking for stuff that we want. Would, Would you look at verses 23 and 24? He says, on that day, Um, if you ask for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Um, Sorry, I'm getting the wrong verse here. Oh, sorry, earlier, 23. On that day, you will not question me about anything. It's not so much asking for the new Mercedes as it is asking about about God's heart for things. God's heart for what, tell me about what you're doing here, Lord. Tell me about the way you see the world. Tell me about how you want me to respond in this. It's not so much asking for stuff. He, he does also emphasize asking for things as well. But there is an about component to this, that God really, Jesus really wants us to enter into that relationship with the Father and and into the the life of Jesus and the Spirit in such a way that we start to get his heart and then ask for what Jesus would ask for, ask about what Jesus would ask about. And the reason why he encourages this is really interesting. He says the Father himself loves you. We find this comes up so often when we lead people through inner healing, deliverance, healing prayer, that people need to be reminded that it isn't just Jesus that likes you. It's the Father himself. The Father himself loves you. And so often people have experienced wounds from a parent and they map it onto God. And Jesus says, "Uh -uh. the Father himself loves you. 
the Father will give to you, not simply because you love me and follow me, but because of the Father's love for you and the personal relationship that you have with God the Father, the creator of the universe, knows your name and says, I love you by name. That's the value that you have, friends. The Father himself loves and put your name behind that. Loves you. The Father himself, because he loves you, is ready to answer you. The Father himself, because he loves you, wants to talk. The Father himself, because he loves you, cares about your needs and what you personally are going through. The Father himself loves you And part of that love is expressed in saying, friends, trouble is coming. It's been the main theme of, one of the main themes of this this entire passage from 14 to 17. As Jesus prepares his disciples to say, your belief is about to be tested, trouble is coming. I I actually wrote in my Bible, I left a sticky note here, that the theme of this section is about life together, This isn't just about me and God by myself. It it is always about a community together preparing for hard times to come. It, It starts right at the beginning of chapter 14. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And the very last verse that we read here was, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God wanted, it is a grace and a mercy and a kindness to let people know you you want to get ready. And it's you will. It, it's not you might. You will have trouble. And it, it's, it, it's specifically you Christians will have trouble in relation to the world. In this world, you will have trouble. It, it doesn't mean simply on this side of death you will have trouble. But it, it's, it's that relationship to the world because, of course, the world is about to crucify Jesus and his followers, should they follow in his footsteps, will experience the same thing that Jesus experienced. So it's about chess, friends. You remember the distinction between checkers and chess? Chess is kingdom stuff. Anything that's about God's kingdom or the enemy's kingdom, that's chess. Checkers is arguing about whether it's the Oilers or the Flames that are better. That's checkers, right? Checkers is about earning more money and getting ahead in life as though that is the goal without realizing that there are chess implications and, and Jesus wants to say to his followers, there's, there's trouble coming in the chess game. So we, need, we do need to step out of the lie that life is just going to get better and easier and more comfortable and that we're entitled to it. That's a checkers lie. And it needs to be called that. But 
It, it's not simply comfort and hope to tell you that trouble is coming. What Jesus then does is say, I am going to prepare my people, not simply by, with giving them advanced notice, but by giving them my very life and my very peace, such that as trouble comes, they are prepared. Our job is to be prepared, not simply by acknowledging that we're going to have difficulty, but by learning to cultivate peace that comes from Jesus. Because he offers us everything we need. Everything we need. So what we're going to do for the remainder of this time until we, we return to um, singing and worship is we're going to practice peace. And what I'm going to do is lead us through a guided prayer where we take Jesus at his word and say, Lord, start building the practice of peace in me because I know trouble is coming and I want, I want your very life to be built up in me to such a degree that it doesn't matter what comes because I got peace and the world can't take it. So I'm going to guide us in prayer. I'm going to leave long pauses for you after I pray a line to make this prayer your own, to apply it to the things that come to mind as you think about trouble, whether present or to come. But enter into the prayer, interacting with the Father himself who loves you and the peace of Christ that comes because he has put his spirit in you. And you might not be adequate for what is coming, but he is. So let's pray. I'm not asking that you pray this out loud. Pray it in your head. I will practice peace, Lord, I will commit to practicing peace, Lord. I will find peace in Jesus. These things I have spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace. I cash that check. There is peace I can find in you. I choose, Lord, to no longer partner with false peace with false peace that comes from escapes, false peace that comes from distraction, false peace that comes from controlling my circumstances. I renounce habits that have taken me to escape distraction or control to find peace.
Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, so I have it. Jesus said, I say these things so that in me you might have peace. I can find it. Lord, would you train me in that to find peace in Jesus? Now you name whatever comes to mind. I have peace for this, Lord. I have peace because you conquered the world. Because you conquered the world, my future is secure and my present too. My hope is secure because you are the rock. I'm connected to the vine, Lord. You're the source. I'm a branch on the vine. You're the source. Your spirit is in me. And the fruit is love, joy, peace. I have peace that is greater than every trouble. I have peace for being in trouble. I have peace because you speak. Answers are available because those who ask are loved by you, Father. I'm loved by the Father. I'm loved by the Father who listens and speaks because he loves. Lord, I will practice peace. I will find peace in Jesus. I renounce false peace. the false peace of escape or distraction or control. I will find my peace in Jesus. I will find peace in who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
If God is for us, who can be against us? Lord, make us people who rest in your peace. Rest in your presence. Rest in the in-between times when we can't see an answer or a way forward or a solution or anything like that. And we've lost control and we're tempted to move into escape mechanisms and distractions and medicating pain. Lord, would you empower and guide each one of us that we would practice the peace of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you for your promises. Show us how to embody them in greater measure so that we may offer your peace to others who need it, to a world that needs it. I ask this in the name of Jesus, knowing you love us and will answer. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a variety of routes to peace and we by no means covered all of them this morning. Worship is one of those routes to peace and maybe you have been experiencing that as we have continued singing in worship here. I remember the last time I was at Dream Center Worship, I experienced so much peace which I so badly needed as I worshiped. So I invite you to come back on Friday night and continue in that. Continue through the week. Come back Friday night and worship. Another one is healing prayer. If there are blockages where fear just rises up and you don't know how to deal with it, come let others help you with that because we have testimony after testimony after testimony of people who have found peace but they needed help getting there and God spoke to them and moved and they experienced freedom. The third way that comes to mind is encounter. And the blessing that I proclaim over you Sunday after Sunday is a blessing of encounter. May you encounter God face to face so the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name. If anyone would like prayer, happy to chat and pray afterwards. Bless you all. Thanks for being here.